Hey there, folks, it's Robin, and I'm popping in to talk to you about clean water because I'm going to be honest, I've been worrying about the contaminants in our tap water, and I knew I had to find a solution, you know, something reliable and effective. And that's when I discovered AquaTrue, and it's been a game changer for my family. AquaTrue's purifiers, they're basically like superheroes for your water, using a four-stage reverse osmosis process to tackle even the toughest contaminants. With PFAS, you know, those pesky forever chemicals making their way into nearly half of U.S. tap water, it is a relief to know that AquaTrue is certified to just kick them to the curb. Plus, their range of purifiers fits every home, from countertop setups to under-sink options. They've even got a Wi-Fi-connected model for the tech-savvy among us. And let's talk about those filters, okay? Long-lasting and affordable, they are a dream come true. There's no more like swapping them out every few months. AquaTrue's filters go the distance and last up to two years. Since switching to AquaTrue, I have noticed a huge difference. The water tastes cleaner, it's fresher, and the best part, I no longer have to worry about what's lurking in my tap water. Even my kids are drinking more water because of the ease of the countertop setup. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, our listeners are going to receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and you're going to enter the code HEADSPACE at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E. Go get it. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. 
someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace. Welcome back to part two of this special live episode of Dear Headspace. Now, you know, each episode, we sit down with our Headspace meditation teachers and we answer your questions about all the things. And I do mean all of the things. I'm your host, Robin Hopkins, and joining me on this very special live episode is not one Headspace mindfulness meditation teacher, but two of my brilliant pals, Rosie and Dora. Now, this live show, it was it was so chock full of questions that we had to make it two episodes. And this is part two. If you missed part one, go ahead, go back and check it out. But you can do that whenever you're ready. I really hope you enjoy this episode. But one last note before we hit play. We're going to be enjoying our own Headspace downtime for the next four weeks. But don't worry, don't fret, we're not leaving you. We'll be sharing some of our favorite episodes again for you to enjoy. This is also a great time to catch up on any episodes that you missed. I mean, this is a win-win. And we'll be back with new episodes, more questions, kicking off with the Back to School and Mindful Parenting episode on September 12th. I will see you then. Now, let's get to part two of this live Dear Headspace. Um, we got a question from the Zoom. All right. Ooh. I'm a new parent, and I just, like, threw up inside as a parent. <laughs> Okay, I'm a new parent, and I have been really struggling to understand who I am now. I only have room for parenting, housekeeping, and work. Repeat. There is very little space for the me that I used to be. I know it's time to be someone else, but I'm really struggling and have had a tough time. I would love to hear your perspective on anything that could provide some guidance. First of all, shout out to all the parents in the room. <laughs> um, are you okay if I start this one? Uh, yeah, Please, I mean, Robin, I go for it. You're the one with no kids. Children. We're uh, childless. My poor children. Just I mean, we get a sense <laughs> of that, right? You know what's so funny is, like, I, after I had my first daughter, Maxine, I was really struggling. I think, like, pregnancy sets you up for that. Like, this baby's inside of you. You, it's, it, No one cares about you anymore. Everything is just like, how's that baby? And you're like, could you take your hands off my stomach? Because um, I don't know you. Um <laughs> You know, and so it's like you're already being prepared for the fact that you've sort of lost yourself in some ways. And then they come out and then they need from you and you and then there's all this pressure. Of, and by the way, everyone's really going to want to have kids after I'm done talking. <laughs> Get a dog. It's fine. Um, but, you know, so then they need from you and you want to be the best person and you want to help them grow. And it's like it's really, really easy to lose yourself. And so for me, what I had to do was... What are the, at first I had to give myself permission because I think there's a lot of societal pressures that you have to be a perfect mom and you have to love parenting and it has to be the only thing you are and your first thing and it's every, and I kind of think that's BS. I think, there's a mom, there's a mom. <laughs> but you know, it's like, it's like my relationship with my partner, my relationship to myself, that is the foundation that the house is built on. If I'm not taking care of myself, guess what? And it's still true. My kids are 14 and 12. I'm yelling more, I'm nastier, and I'm not a good parent. So the first thing I had to do was give myself permission to take care of myself. 
to say it's okay for me to have drive, to have dreams, to, you know, like I think after my second kid was born, I was like writing on a show in Los Angeles, like, what am I doing? You know, he was like four months old and I had a, a, a two-year-old, but I was like, but this is me. It feeds me. It brings me. And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to be a better parent. So give yourself permission, take care of yourself and try to remember what are the things that you love that are yours. Because I'll tell you what, my oldest just turned 14 and she's already in her room on an iPad like this. What? (laughs) You know, it's like before you know it, they are like, that's your job is to push them out in the world and they're going to go be their own people. But then who are you? If you give away everything of who you are, who are you when they're not home? So I think Stay in here, stay, take care of yourself and like tell every mother and father that you see there is nothing wrong with taking care of yourself because I think that everyone's telling you the opposite. What if I flipped a table right now? Would it be too much? Would it be too much? Would it be too much? All right. That would be the perfect moment. Somebody stop me. I think, wow. Is it possible? No. Go. Sorry. I, I just feel like why why do we feel like we have to be all things to all people? Right? Why what is the pressure with oh now I have to this and I have to that and we are not machines. Yeah. We're humans and I think it's it's important to give ourselves that that space, just like you're saying. So I, I that's the same advice I, I would give yeah. if if I was being asked that question. Yeah. I mean, also from my doula perspective of like having community, I think in the Western world, it's like you just go home, you and your partner, and you have this new person in your home and you're expected to figure it out by yourself. But back home, my mom is from Kenya. It's like people would have assigned roles to take care of you. And I think that's really beautiful to have community to breathe life back into you as a new parent, because there's no rules. There's no handbook. Like I can't imagine going home with a new human and I think about how complex the human experience already is and then to now have to take care of this person I don't know how y'all do it but um yeah just having having people around you that can sustain you and also remind you who you are yeah and having like the right community I mean I came across a a mom in the elevator dropping my kid off from daycare, like with the stroller. And I just, you know, it was one of those days, a heavy side, I'm coming from work, I'm running, you're always running, you're always sweating, you're always like Cheerios on you. And she said, yeah, like what a day. I said, I know. I said, I just, I can't wait till 7.30, you know, like when she goes to bed. And she said, yeah, she said, I know what you're saying. I've never felt that way, but I know what you're saying. And I was like, I was like, you're lying. I was like, you are lying to yourself. You're lying. You're like, you're like, and I felt bad for her because I thought that's a person who is not giving herself permission yeah. to be. Yeah. So shout out to the person on the Zoom. Is it this camera? Yes. That camera? I don't know. But thank you for sharing that question because I feel like, especially as mothers, there's so much pressure to get it right. And when we add these labels or titles to who we are, it really takes us away from the humanness of all of these things. So yeah. thank you for that question. Is everybody cool if we take like one more question? Is that... By the way, you couldn't say no. I mean, the way I just said, imagine we're like, Um, do we have one more question from anybody? So when my son was around two years old, my wife and I invited my mother to move into the back house. Oh, that was brave. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, of our new rental. 
Um, as is often the case, my mother and my wife have conflicting personality traits. My wife can feel resentful of having to sacrifice her comfort in her own home, while my mother can feel resentful of not getting the respect she thinks she deserves. Everyone agrees that the relationship between my mother and my son is worth the complications that often arise, but um, I am sort of constantly put in the middle. I especially don't like the fact that I have to pick and choose what to tell the other based on whether what I'm hearing is in the heat of the moment or needs to be communicated for the sake of giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. I have a, qu- I have a question. Yeah. Why do you have to be the mediator for two adult people? That's what I'm saying. I guess they will hide from each other. It's, it's, it's that... You know, my my mother's in a in a back house at ADU, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. she has her own cabin, and and th- she's prone to kind of introversion anyway. And if like there's been like a like a little Bump. like difficult thing, she'll be like, "I won't see you guys for a week," you know, or something like that. And uh, and my wife will feel similarly. She'll be like, "I'm going to stay in the office," so it's both feel more comfortable retreating. Yeah. Than trying to work anything out. It just seems a constant sort of like it's. They're just such opposites. Yeah. I can answer. Well, I can assist in answering the question. You can solve it? Yeah, I can solve your problems. Um, No, I can't. I can't even solve my own. Come on, Ben. Um, I think, honestly, to just be completely practical, if I was in your position, I would consider getting some sort of mediator or having them try and do a gathered therapy session or a mediation so they can both just set some boundaries for communication with each other so that there isn't this weird thing because obviously there is no communication which is what's causing the friction because somebody's doing something that somebody else doesn't like or somebody said something and then they're using you as their sort of fixer of the problems and my concern for you would just be your energy and and your own process because it seems like there's not space for you to have your own experience in this because you're too busy solving everybody else's problems. So I I would say really take care of, of yourself and give yourself the space to ask yourself how you feel about this situation because I, I don't know if anybody has. It sort of happens. <laughs> sort of happens? Yeah, it's sort of, like there's sympathy, but... Um... But yeah, but <laughs> yeah, 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 but there's sympathy, but but the whole the point of of the whole thing, you know, it's like you're basically stuck in this really difficult situation. And first of all, just as an outsider, again, it's like they should be able to hash out their own things. But you know, you have to really do some self-inquiry and ask yourself, what is the ultimate desire that you want in this dynamic? How are you complicit in what's happening? And how are you able to Step away from the situation for your own sanity and your own well-being. Thank you Thank so you. much. We had we had one. There was two more. There's two more. We There's got two, two more. more. Yeah, you oh, first. Let's... On the spot. <laughs> I was so inspired. I just was like, I'm gonna ask a question. Yay. <laughs> uh, so yeah. <laughs> so so honestly, thank you for everyone's vulnerability because I think that it's. Uh, it catches on. Mm. It spreads. So lately I've been dealing with a lot of feelings of unsafety. Mm. It's not maybe not, not real safe, unsafety, maybe perceived. Mm. So I guess my question is really how, 
what are some tools that you have used to like work through those feelings of like this perceived unsafety and navigating that so that you can show up and be Mm. more vulnerable and kind of invite people in? Mm, That's a great question. And I would say you just did a little of it, but that was wonderful. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I think safety I'm realizing in the last few years, safety is so important for me and that comes from trust and um, three things that I love, therapy. I love having that non-judgmental perspective. For me, it's like meditation, but out loud. And sometimes it's really difficult for me to even sit with myself because that feels unsafe. The body and mind can feel so foreign at times. I'd also say like nervous system, like regulation, tending to your nervous system is so important because for me, I notice my feelings of not feeling safe. It's like my body's, the signals are going off, alarms, bells, whistles, and I'm like, okay, uh, what's going on? But it's taking me so long to even figure out what those things are, you know? Now I know it, okay, stomach's doing backflips, my mouth is really dry, I'm sweating. Like these are all things that I've learned to tend to by taking care of my nervous system. And community, like community is so, so important. And that allows you to drop your guard down by being with other people that you can trust, right? Finding those people that you can surround yourself with that can remind you of who you are, remind remind you of what it feels like to feel safe, to have trust, to have healthy connections. And yeah, I mean, I, I also just think as a black woman, it's hard to feel safe as yes. it is. So <laughs> that's something like on a on a DNA, like cellular level, it's something that I've had to reconcile with of like, will I ever feel safe? Right. And will I ever feel seen in me sharing that I don't feel safe? Because a lot of people that aren't who I am will never understand how I feel. Right. It doesn't really sometimes seem like practical. Like, how could you not feel safe? We're all family here. And it's like, well, (laughs) you know, we all carry our own experiences. So I think surrounding yourself with other black women or, you know, people that you can relate to is so, so, so important. There's a really beautiful book called My Grandmother's Hands by Resma Menakam. And he has so many beautiful healing practices for black people, uh, white people and police officers, which I really love to see all of that in that book. But yeah, that's that's what I would offer to you. I hope that's helpful. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Was, was that helpful? helpful? Did it feel good? Super yeah. I felt seen and safe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So we did get one more over Zoom. Um, I'm also a new parent, and I have pressure to baptize my new baby. The problem is I'm not particularly religious anymore. How do I navigate this? Who's giving I'd love the to know pressure? Who the pressure yeah, is. Who's yeah, the yeah. pressure coming from? I think my parents are really religious. Uh, my mom went to seminary school, so there were people that came into her village, took her from her home, and brought her into uh, a school system that stripped them of their culture. And so her way into religion is basically fear-based. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of religion that was pushed on me out of fear, right? God's watching. You're going to be punished. And so I can understand from like a fear perspective of why it's important to baptize your child so that they can be safe and you won't go into the depths of hell or all those different things that can come up in certain religions, right? So I, your, their fear isn't your fear, you know? And I think having those honest conversations around, like I appreciate the gesture, 
this is my family, right? I, you know, like some, I just, I have a lot to say about religion, but I won't say it. I'm also not a parent, but I can just speak from my own experience of being a child with really religious parents. My dad's a pastor. And sometimes their love for higher power can be so consuming and overwhelming and it can really ruin relationships. So I think protecting your family and protecting your children above all else is so important and having compassion for them. I have compassion for my parents. I understand where they're coming from, but I don't allow their fear to dictate my behavior. Yeah. I also think it's, it's not necessarily about the baptism. It's about like, and it doesn't matter whether you have kids or not. Like, let's say you're in a partner relationship or there's there's a moment where you're deciding what's best for you to this is your new family this is your new like it doesn't mean you don't have your extended family still but this is the moment and there's decisions of like do we go to your house for this holiday do we like and i think that there, it's a moment to say this is our family and we decide what is best for our family and we make that decision and i think this will be the first of many times you have to say that i mean like Boundaries has come up a lot while we've been sitting here. It's a boundary conversation. I appreciate your input. I thank you. I know where you're coming from. It's coming from a place of love and support. However, this is what we've decided to do. And I appreciate that. Thank you. My partner, when Tori and I were together, you know, after a couple of years, my family was really, my family is Hispanic, first generation Mexican-American, very much into getting married. And oh, you guys are lived in together. And Tori does not believe in marriage. So how am I supposed to explain this to my family that this is not this marriage, this wedding is yeah. not going to happen? Um, and it took it took many years for them to really just let go of that. But we stood firm in our resolve. And even though internally in the beginning, I was very much like, oh, no, we have to get married. I mean, this is what we do. I mean, yeah. We've been together for five, seven years. Like, what What are you waiting for? <laughs> what is your problem? It, Put a ring on it. Sakes. And here we are 20 years later, you know, and now I don't want to get married, but that's a separate story. <laughs> um, but but it's it's that, you know, we we met on a on a on the same level. We had a conversation about it, and we we were strong in our resolve. And I think that that's that's more of the issue, right? It's yes. it's what you were saying. Yeah. So it yeah. sounds like tradition as well, right? Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what I hope when I have a family is to rewrite some of the traditions that have yeah. held us captive. Yes. Maybe you don't do a baptism, but maybe you have like a love ceremony for your child that was just born, yeah. and oh. people can like read beautiful things to you and poetry. I think sometimes it can be a really beautiful opportunity for you to like rewrite that story for yourself of how you want it to go. I think like your compromise point is really important as well because I can be a little rigid. I don't know if anyone would ever pick up on that, but so it's like <laughs> I, I think that's what I think that's a really never, that's a really nice never. point as well. Yeah. Um, well, well, we. Uh, Someone just volunteered you. Somebody's going to get in trouble later, I'll tell you why. So my question kind of piggybacks a little bit on Alina's. um, You know, as a parent, I think, you know, you worry about your kid's future. I worry a lot about the planet they're going to inherit, the unsafety at school, unsafety in life, unsafety with their bodies, all of the things. Um, And now even, you know, with AI, it's like it just seems to never end. And... I think, you know, 
trying to stay present is great. And obviously that's like why we all practice mindfulness. But I guess like what are some suggestions you have in addition to a daily mindfulness practice to try to stay present and not try to like spin about the future? Oh, yeah. that's that a is great. Question. I think this, this goes back to what we were talking about. It's kind of the common theme of being with uncertainty. Yeah. Because the mind wants to be everywhere but in the present moment. And so especially as a parent, I can imagine, and I'm not, again, a parent to a human, but I do have lots of dogs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And my worry when I notice everything is fine, I just like to dogpile the worry on myself. Like, how long are my dogs going to live? I have two of them with special needs. Like, when is that time going to come? And I'm going to be so sad and I'm so scared. And if some, you know, and then I have a little sister that's 24 you know, and, and with everything that's happening, I worry about, cause we're very close and I worry about her going to college and she's driving and I'm like, is she drinking and driving? What is happening? Right. It's a valid worry. And I don't think as a parent, it ever stops. I think what happens a lot of the times we have to be able to just let it be there. It's like what I was telling Sarah earlier with the anxiety, with the fear the uncertainty, we have to just give it space. It's part of our nature because we love something, right? It's that gripping. That's why we go in a spin because you don't want this thing that you love so much to get damaged or hurt or misguided. But the best thing that you can do and the best thing for all of us, every single person here, we were children at one point. (laughs) We were that child at one point. We were, we went through those, some still are there. (laughs) But we, the best thing that we could do is to understand that there are those things out in the world. There are those worries. There are those events. So the world isn't all rainbows and butterflies. And I think you recognizing that is, is a good thing. You know, it's a good thing for you to just be aware. You know, sometimes people don't like to calculate the risk. That's scary for them, right? I grew up in an environment where I had to calculate risk because you could get shot, you could get mugged, you could get stabbed. You were just, it was just a constant fear, 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 fear. And so that made me very calculating with exits. Anytime I go into a building, I'm like, okay, where are the exits? Okay, this is, okay, what's the plan here? If somebody comes in here, what do I do? And that's just natural. In a way, I'm like, oh, it's messed up that that's my way of being. You know, I think about, I'm like, I wish I didn't have that experience. But in a way, I'm like grateful that that's who I am, right? And everybody assesses risk differently. And as a parent, you're going to assess all the risks for your child. That's your job, Right. But your job is not to create more stress and dwelling and lose sleep and just be in the state of like, okay, yeah, you know, the ice caps are melting and the fucking plastic in the ocean and the shootings and this and that, like just because you can really create a state for yourself, right? All those things are true. We can't change it. All we could do is that is take a breath, take a beat, take a moment, do your best to protect your children, to educate them, to let them know that we can either go into a world in fear or we can go into a world feeling empowered 
and knowing what the risks are and going out there and living anyway. Yeah, I mean, we're like talking about reframing, right? It's like, like my childhood. If I could go back and wave a wand and make it be actually decent and better and, and caring and loving and all those things, um, I don't know that I would because I would not be this person here today. And I try to remind myself because it's like, I have all those same fears. Like, you know, my daughter's 14. Like, I'm like, oh my God, she's on a subway alone. And she's suddenly in love with crop tops, which I'm like, why, (laughs) you know? And like, she's out in the world and, you know, and, and my son and I were in a car and we saw a shooting, you know, it's like, these are real things that happen. And now he's afraid to go in the world. And what I try to remind myself is it is their journey. And all I can do is teach them to make smart choices, to evaluate exits, to be the change in the world. It's hard. It's like goes back to the first question about control. Like we have none. The second you got pregnant, you lost all control. <laughs> By the way, you had none before that, but then you really lost it. You know, so it's like, we. that's it. We just have to we have to be the best parents we can be. We have to protect them. And then we have to go, that's their journey. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. I would also say coming from two parents who are like that worry the most um, and are very driven by fear, I would have appreciated my parents sharing their fears with me because I just got the end of the stick of like, you can't walk to school. You can't have sleepovers. You can't have friends over. You can't go to the school dance. You can't go to the movies. You can't do any of these things. And that's how I lived until I graduated. And then I got to university and I was like, it's on, you know? (laughs) So, and I think that's how you also assess the risk of like what you do in the present moment is also creating the future for your children. So I wish that I would have had my parents share, oh, mom, like you were afraid that something bad was going to happen to me instead of not allowing me to do anything because there was just so much secrecy in that. And then now I find out there's so many things that I did wrong that she did the exact same things when she was my age. So it was like I was reliving her story. And that was the one thing that she was trying to avoid. So I think if you're able to be transparent with your children, children are so smart. And if you don't say it verbally, they're going to pick on pick up on it with your energy and how you are around them. So I think having those honest like conversations with your children and educating them and maybe doing those things with them, whatever it is that maybe you feel fear about, but introducing them to those things in a way that feels good for both of you. And, you know, we say that there's so much uncertainty in the world, but if we can take care of what we can take care of, I think it eases some of that fear of uncertainty as well. Yeah. Sam talked about that in a recent episode about having a family mission statement. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And at night I went home and I was writing, I was like, what would our, what would our family mission statement be? I was like, we're kind. We believe in funny. We believe in caring. We believe. And I was like, that's a, like a cool exercise. And I want to go home and talk to my kids about it and be like, what would you add? What would you add about who we are in Crop the world? Crop tops. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you got two lesbian moms. We do not believe in crop tops. We believe in giant oversized t-shirts that we got from our last job. Period. End of statement. Thank, Thank you. you. Morgan. 
All right, everybody. So what we want to say to you is, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you um, as Headspace people for everything each and every one of you does to bring the show out into the world because it's like it's it's one team, one dream. And we're all so proud of the work. So thank you. Everybody give yourself a... And um, we, we do want to say, like, we're, we have this one part of the show that hopefully you've all heard, that, for God's sakes. Um, it's at the end of the show, we call it The Reverie. And it's my favorite part of the podcast because it's like, it's a moment to, like, we're not talking about light topics. We're talking about in-depth things and people are sharing and there's real conversations. So it's this idea that you can sit it's like bringing the whole practice to a podcast. You can sit with what just happened and, and take a moment before you transition from the gym to the subway to your job. So today we thought, how cool would it be? Dora's going to lead us in a live reverie. So we're just going to take a minute to all process what just happened in this room. Then we're going to have wine or soda, whatever you do, whatever you do, boo. All right, let's take a moment just to place both feet on the ground, if that feels right for you. Resting the palms of your hands on your legs. Maybe closing the eyes if you'd like. Just taking a moment here just to find the breath in your body and connect to that rising and falling of the breath. Maybe we can feel our hearts beating, letting us know that we are alive in this moment. And what a gift that is. Together, let's take a deep breath, breathing in through the nose and breathing out through the mouth. Just allowing the body and mind to soften and again, breathing in and breathing out, letting everything go. One more time, taking another deep breath in and breathing out. Just taking a moment here just to check in with your body and noticing how you're feeling. We discussed a lot of different things today. There was a lot of words shared, energy exchanged. Just taking a moment here with your inner landscape and noticing what's present. The different thoughts, emotions, sensations, Just allowing your whole self to be here and now. And then rubbing the palms of your hands together, creating a little bit of heat here, a little bit of warmth. And placing your palms over your heart, connecting to this humanness, this human center. Just reminding yourself of who you are, human being above all else. And that is enough.
when you're ready, feeling the feet on the floor again, maybe wiggling your hands, wiggling your toes, and in your own time, slowly and gently opening your eyes. So we like to end every podcast episode by saying, until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and be kind to one another. Thank you, everyone. I mean, these two, these two. Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohn, Baron Farmer, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, Eve Lewis Prieto, and Rosie Acosta. Post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Merguia. And a special thanks to Colleen Lutz. Thank you.